What Are You Made Of? It's Mike C-Rock. Welcome to What Are You Made Of? Every episode of this podcast is centered around building ourselves and the people in our lives to reach our full potential. I hope that the experiences and stories of success from these conversations can give you rocket fuel to reach new heights and help you answer the question, What Are You Made Of? What Are You Made Of? I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. And subscribe to the What Are You Made Of podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you like watching these, it's available on YouTube at my channel, Mike C-Rock Scirocco. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Made Of with your boy, the unstoppable Mike C-Rock. I'm in the house today with a friend of mine I met on Clubhouse. So glad that I had the opportunity to meet him and listen to him, which you're going to find out here very shortly. My man, Marcus Black, is in the house, and he is a former pastor and a current urban missionary providing leadership and mentoring programs to several inner city schools through YFC International, recently named one of LA Weekly's top 10 keynote speakers to watch in 2021. He's a best-selling author, traveling speaker, life coach, host of the Vitalized Podcast, and co-pilot of the Embrace Your Ambition Traveling Breakthrough Experience. Marcus, welcome to the What Are You Made Of podcast. Yo, yo, yo. What up, family? What's good? It's so good to see you, man, my brother, my friend. Listen, guys, if you can't tell already, this is going to be a good one and a high energy one. I'm just grateful, thankful, blessed to be connected to a world changer like you, man. C-Rock, I've been looking at you and the work that you're doing in the world is so relevant and it's so needed and it's so uh, putting you right into where you need to be. So I'm grateful to be here, connected with you and your incredible community. Let's go. Thank you, my man. Right back at you. And, uh, you know, I got to I do I have to pick it up. I don't have guests that that often that can keep up with me energy wise, but you, you are definitely up for the challenge. So I want to start the show like the same way we always do. We have a tradition of asking the question, what are you made of? Man, I love the question. And you ask me what I'm made of. <laughs> the first thing that comes to my mind is sugar and spice and everything nice. But that's absolutely not what I'm made of. I, I would say a little part fortitude, a lot of just overcoming the adversity. You, when I think about it, I think of my life and I think about everything I've been through. And I know I'm no, no different than you. Like we've all been through things. You have your traumas and your trials and I'll spare you all the gory details. But what I've learned in this life is that success and failure run the same road. And there's no such thing as failure unless you quit or do not try. So if you want to achieve success, you just got to keep putting one foot in front of the other and don't quit. And that takes a lot of grit. That takes a lot of determination. That takes a lot of focus, takes a lot of intentionality. It takes a lot of growth. You got to have a growth mindset. You got to surround yourself with world changers like my man right here to be able to tap in, to learn. And through that, I just kept putting one foot in front of the other, man. So you ask me what I'm made of. I'm just literally a person who never quit, never gave up and always was dedicated to learning, to growing, to overcoming the adversities I've seen. And there's been a lot. I mean, I literally death and I did the tango on multiple occasions, but one of the times maybe we did the salsa because it got real spicy and I'm not even supposed to be here. A dance with death literally almost took me out of here. But those things which break so many people and so many cause so many people to be asking the question, why, 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 why me? I, I was that person for a while, too. I learned the question was never why me. It was what for and what are these experiences trying to teach me? so that I can level up, walk in my purpose and teach others. And that's what I'm doing now. So you ask me what I'm made of. Just a person who is all about service, man, serving people, serving communities, taking the things I've learned through my traumas, packaging those up in purpose to help you walk in yours straight up. Love it. 
Perfectly well said. So uh, what I notice a lot about us that want to lift others up, that want to encourage others, is that we're really speaking to ourselves a lot of times. Like when I'm looking at the camera a lot of times and I'm on social media, if I'm on, you know, uh, even Clubhouse, man, I'm talking to myself. Like, <laughs> see, rock let's go. What do you, this, by the way, this show's name, what are you made of? It's something that I said to myself from a, as a young kid because of all the stuff that I went through when I was younger, going to child psychologist to see if I knew or if I was mature enough to make a decision of whose house I wanted to live in and the fighting that I dealt with and all the, like, like all the broken people I was around. Like, dude, what are you made of? This ain't nothing. That's why I'm able to be successful. That's why I'm able to go and ask and raise money for tech, millions of dollars. That's why I'm able to do these things is because I asked myself that question. But do you find that from yourself and people like Les Brown, people we know and hang around with, Grant Cardone, they are talking to themselves. Am I right? You're absolutely right. And if you're not talking to yourself, then you are crazy. They've always said, if you talk to yourself, you must be crazy. No, if you're not talking to yourself, you're absolutely crazy. So one of the things people ask me is, man, how do you speak with so much energy? Where does that come from? Where does that come from? How do you like, man, I wish I had that. And I'm like, do you though? Because the reason I speak with so much conviction is because I believe the words I'm saying to you with my whole heart. Why do I believe them with my whole heart? It's because of the situation and the adversities that I faced and where I sat. So when I sat as a 25-year-old man, when I sat as a young man, 25, 26, 27, as a newlywed trying to navigate, breaking the generational curses and traumas and us becoming homeless and us losing jobs and uh, all of these things. And my wife with tears looking at me in my eyes, asking me how this is going to work out. And I don't know, like I think of all that pain and I think of all that trauma and those messages that I'm communicating to you like this with all this heart and this passion is what I was saying to myself then. Because I look back at that person who felt so lost, who felt so confused and who didn't know how to figure it out was just surviving. I'm talking to that person to let them know you can do this. I'm talking to that person to let him know you can overcome any situation and circumstance. You've been doing it your whole life and this is going to be no different. So all of that to say, and I even gave you an example, I communicate with this conviction because I'm absolutely talking to that person. I'm talking to the younger me and all the people who represent the younger me who are sitting in the situation in which I sat and they don't see the way out of it. And I want to show you that based on the experiences I've been through and what I learned, but I'm communicating to me as much as I'm communicating to you. The new revelations I get that are helping me get to the next level is all I'm doing is packaging that and passing it back to you. So uh, you're a former pastor. It seems like you still are a pastor. Did you preach this way in this manner with this energy and passion? <laughs> Man, I can't I'm get away from it. I literally just preached my on Clubhouse last night. So I used to hate okay. the term pastor. It just means shepherd. Listen, it is what yeah, it is. Teacher, I am what I shepherd. am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did I always communicate this way? Absolutely not. No, but, um, but, but, but I, in the church, in the church, like, See, here's the thing, man. I'm just going to be honest with you. Like, yeah. I don't want to, I, I don't want, um, I hope my pastor's not listening to this because he does listen to this sometimes. But Sean, Pastor Sean, if you're listening to this, please don't take this the wrong way. But sometimes when I, I, I visited black churches before, I've seen them on TV before, and not just the preaching, <laughs> right? But the music, <laughs> like, that's what I want to go to on Sundays. I'm like, this is, it this is, is, uh, this it, is not it's right. definitely spirited. I definitely grew up in that environment. And the reason I never wanted to be a speaker is because I'm actually really reserved. I'm really shy and I'm really reserved. And so people would look at me and say, man, you got a <laughs> gift with words. And I'm looking at these guys up here like I'm like I, hooping and hollering. I can't do that. That's not me. I didn't have that. 
or so I thought. But really, yeah, I yeah. just had to find a way to do it in my own way. And so yeah. I remember when it changed, though, there was a lady who was in my class and I hated speaking. And this, I worked for this mega church. And they were like, are you ready for your stage development? I was like, no, that's not that didn't come with this. That's not what you didn't tell me that. And they said, what did you think was going to happen? You absolutely have to be in front of people on the stage. I was like, no, I'm not. They were like, you are. I was like, I'm not. They're like, you want the job? I was like, ah. So they put me on the stage, hated it. Oh, my God. I hated it. Really? it was <laughs> very different than what you hear com- coming from me right now. But there was a young lady who was in my class. This was like two and a half years into this job, by the way. So I was like very robotic, very like, just let me get through this and a little charismatic because that's who I am. But just trying to get through the information. And that girl, a girl stopped my class one day. She said, excuse me, sir. I was like, no. She was like, I have a question. And I was like, no. In my head, I was like, no, but I had to say yes. And I was like, "Uh, yes, ma'am. And she she just broke down. You know, that ugly cry, like broke down. And she said, listen, man, it got real, real fast. She said, I, my own family's in this building in the next room. They don't know that I slept on the street last night. They don't know that I was snorting coke lines to drown myself from my misery last night. And I don't even want to be here anymore. Oh, my God. In that moment, nothing else mattered. Nothing else mattered that I was communicating. Like I threw my notes off the table. And next thing you know, I started talking to her heart. And I start telling her that in this moment, she could never be more significant than she was right now. I started telling her that it does not matter what you did before this moment. It don't matter where you were last night. All that matters is where you are right now in the bright future. So I just like what just happened happened. But it was the first time it happened. So it's kind of like you watch superhero movies and they like first get a new power, but they can't control it. So it's like crazy. That's kind of how <laughs> All it over the place. Yeah, I was like, I didn't know how to control it. <laughs> But I noticed something, a dot connected for me that day. We went on to help her really serve that young lady. And that's when the dots connected for me. This ain't about you, bro. Yeah, you, as a communicator, this isn't about you. This is bigger than you. And every single time we get an opportunity to do what we're doing right now, somebody sits in that seat at the edge of their rope, ready to throw in the towel. And something we say might be the difference maker and them holding on a little bit longer until their breakthrough comes. And it just never it's never gone back. Like it never yeah. turned back. My wife was like, bro, who are you? This ain't you. But it was like, I just took the cage off and now I don't care no more. It's me. You get you getting what yeah, I got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that because I talk about that when I read the 10X rule the first time. That's the first time I heard of Grant Cardone and it unleashed the beast, like the good beast, right? I was so introverted from the people that I was around when I was operating off of my, I started operating my, when we're all born, we're, all, we're operating off of ourselves, our I, the letter I. And then we start getting pounded by people, discouraged by people and feedback from people. And then we start operating off of their eye without even knowing it. And then we start chasing their goals and then operating off of their fears. And we lost ourselves. And so what you, when you just said that, you found yourself, you got validated to be yourself and, and use your potentials, your, your, your potential skills. And uh, the, reason, the reason I said that about like us talking to ourselves is because I can see it. You know, I got a team in the mortgage business and I, and I talk to them pretty much every morning and I coach and, and, and talk uh, to other groups. And I can see it in people's faces sometimes when I'm preaching to them, right? When I'm trying to pass down information to them, data that I've learned that has helped me and other people, I could see it in their faces and excuse this language for a second, but I could, because I know what they're saying. This motherfucker, like, excuse the language, but he says, he says that I could see it in his face and he's saying it about me when really he's really should it, it, they should understand that they're really saying it about themselves because it's telling more about themselves than me trying to help them. 
but they they'll, the first thing they do in their subconscious mind is say that. And then they'll say, well, is he doing that? And then they look and try to find fault in the person that's trying to help them. Right. So I always express that to the people like, look, I'm talking to myself first, then I'm talking to you, you know? So I, that's why I said that. I love that, man. It, it's such wisdom. And it just speaks to the leader that you are because people don't like to be uncomfortable. People don't like accountability. You need it. You like 95% of studies shown to accomplish your goals. If you got somebody that's coming and stepping on your toes and holding your feet to the fire, people don't like it though. Cause it makes, it speaks to the part of us that we don't talk about a lot, which is my deficiencies or my inadequacies, which may not actually be inadequacies. It's just an area of, of improvement, but we're looking at it as insecurity from an insecure mindset. And we're looking at it like, man, he's calling out my deficiencies. I already feel like I'm not good enough to do this. Now he's pointing out the areas that I need to improve. And then they just, like you said, it's not even about you, but all you're doing is saying, hey, when I shifted in this area, A, B, C, and D, it was a game changer. And it's how I leveled up. I want to show you so you don't have to bang your head against the wall the way I did to find yourself. It doesn't have to take you as long. I can accelerate your process if you shore up these gaps. But it's hard for people to accept that if they don't have a growth mindset or if they're not used to people in their life holding them that level of accountable. Yeah. Well, look, I, I don't really concern myself with the people that aren't ready to hear the message. I'm looking for the ones that are ready and open. And then the ones that don't, I don't really want them around me until they're ready. So that that's a good tool to use. Not get offended by it, that face that they make or that you could tell, right? Or that they say something. Those people will self-select out of your life for a while until they're ready to come back. So I use that as a tool. And, and I've understand it. When I was early on, I used to get like, it used to bother me, right? But I don't worry about that anymore. So Marcus, tell me about growing up, man. Like, wh- Where did you come from? What was it like growing up? And, and, and like, give me some of the adversities that you dealt with. Let's talk about it. Yeah, man, I was born in Memphis, Tennessee, product of the South, raised in Mississippi. And there's a lot that comes with that in itself. Uh, those of you who will be watching this, you can see me. And in the South, you know, a co- the culture and the history of our country was a little bit tumultuous, <laughs> a little turbulent. And then uh, my father also is biracial as well. So there's a whole lot that comes with all of that. It means that there was a lot of hatred. It means that we, we had a lot of difficult experiences. If you don't know much about Mississippi and the Deep South, it's actually the poorest state in the Union. So there's a level of like poverty and just the fight. Everything was just an intense struggle. And so you got my dad who's dealing with poverty, who's dealing with trying to find the right type of job and not really being a lot of those to go around, who's trying to deal with identity issues of who am I not being accepted by white people because I'm clearly not fully white. I got some features, but not being accepted by black people because his skin's so fair. So like because of those identity crisis issues, it caused him to have a hole in his soul, a void. And he tried to fill that void with all the wrong things in his youth. He tried to fill it with alcohol, try to fill it with gambling. You guys know, you guys, everybody mm-hmm. has this in your family because I've been there. hard. <laughs> I've been yeah. there. You know what life I mean? Like hard. And so that made him angry a lot. And, you know, my childhood centers around a mom who's a church secretary, but just trying to figure it out herself. They both worked hard. I mean, he was functioning. He was alcoholic, admitted, but he was functioning. So he kept he held down a job. But then destructive principles caused us to be homeless, caused us to lose cars in and out of houses with family members, family of five (laughs) with teenagers. You know how that goes. Everybody got baseball games. No, we don't have one vehicle because it got repossessed. I mean, a lot of times like lights would be off for like a long time, like not like 
an hour, like days. <laughs> and I mean, just I think through it in my head. It's like I could go on and tell you the most nightmarish horror stories. And then in lieu of all of that, I just started feeling like this like fear of like death. And my greatest fear I've learned was always dying before ever living. I thought, man, bro, like <laughs> I felt like that was death. That season of life was death a lot of times. And my greatest fear was dying without living and like ceasing to exist and not getting to experience the good part of life. And so with that, it just caused me to have these crippling anxiety attacks. I always tell people I got visited by a monster, but I ain't talking about the kind that hide out in closets and under beds, like one that hunts more of us than we like to not acknowledge around the world. And that's anxiety. Start having a crippling anxiety attacks at the age of nine. I remember the first one where it was like I literally got sucked into a vacuum, into a black hole. And I was hyperventilating and I couldn't breathe. And I pictured myself as a nine year old kid being buried alive, dirt covering my face, the light leading, leaving my body. And I don't know, it just freaked me out. My hair standing up thinking about it like I can still feel that like it just happened. And I wish I could tell you that was the last time it ever happened. But currently, that was a recurring nightmare that would haunt me for years and years and years to come. Oh, it took so much to learn how to overcome that crippling anxiety that that rocked me. And so. I'm giving you guys the Cliff's Notes version because this is a whole crazy story in itself. So I'm struggling with this debilitating anxiety, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, all the way up. I get to age 18 and I'm finally starting to find myself a little bit. I'm playing football. I'm actually excelling at it. I got some scholarship offers. I got some opportunities to really go create a life doing something I love, like in athletics and escape. This is my escape. This is how I channel my aggression and my anger. And my senior year, while doing something good in the community, a friend of mine and I out and we were leaving that event and we were headed home. And then we Dukes of, we decided to go Dukes of Hazards, not intentionally. I'm falling asleep. My friend's driving. Next thing you know, I hear boom. It was like the loudest explosion I ever heard in my life. When I heard this explosion, I opened my eyes. When you're driving in a car, that's not a sound you ever want to hear. No. So <laughs> I hear that sound. I ask my friend what's happening. He doesn't know. He's just like trying to hold on. Next thing you know, he's grabbing the wheel, just squeezing tight as he can. The car is fishtailing in and out. Then we fly off the highway. Legit Dukes of Hazards. We are flying 75 miles per hour, nearing a bridge in an elevated median. So we're going down into this like huge ditch and the car is spinning in the air. Glass is smacking me in the face. Trees are smacking me in the face. My head is banging back and forth against the walls like the fastest, slowest moment of my life before boom we hit a massive tree and i sat there in the aftermath car smoking gas smell everywhere afraid to open my eyes because in that moment what i didn't tell you is because of my crippling anxiety and my extreme fear of death i was the safest kid i don't want to go ride the bike i don't want to go to the lake i don't want to get in the pool i don't want to do nothing i'm not living i ain't riding no roller coaster i'm not getting on no theme i'm not doing none of that Mm -hmm. And in this moment, it hit me the startling revelation. <laughs> you are about to die without having ever lived. Your greatest nightmare has now come to pass. It's here. Spoiler alert. <laughs> you listening to the sound of my voice, which means that was not the end of my journey. But what that was, was a wake up call. That was the moment it shifted in my mind that life is short and there's so much that we cannot control. And I, I was already dead. I was what so many people right now are doing which I consider, I call it AMC and stop AMC and that what that means to me is walking dead. Stop walking dead. Wake up. I don't care if it's your worst day on the planet. There's always something to be grateful for. When I hit my greatest adversities, I know it's just a minor setback, but I'm coming back because I'm not going to quit. And I know that this life I have and the moment we have this conversation is a gift to me. 
And so be, I live that way. I live with a, I talk like this on a regular, you will be on the phone with me and I'll be talking like this. I'm like, oh, this isn't just his stage voice. <laughs> like, no, yeah, yeah. I live with urgency because yeah. I know how fragile life is and it's not promised to us forever. So I just want to make it count. I wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that my book, Rocket Fuel, is available for sale now at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get a copy and share it with your friends and family. It will change lives, guys. I will not let you down. Now back to the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Well, so what? Uh, who are some of your favorite mentors growing up? Man, what's crazy is I didn't have many. Like, I don't know. I feel like I was in such a survival mode. Um, I know as a little kid, it was just my mom. My mom was the shining light in my life. Then my pastor, my preacher, who was doing all the hoop, all of that big energy. But uh, he looked out for me. He showed up for me. He taught me. He treated me like I was his own a lot. And then my football coach, my football coach taught me the importance of leadership. He made me a leader. He taught me about uh, growth mindset, learning like I he put me on film one day when I was in ninth grade. We had that team was ridiculous, the varsity. But I got to practice with them. So I was a little athletic. Several of those guys went on to play in the NFL. One of them, my cousin, shout out to you, Kevin Dockery, defensive backs coach for the Kansas City Chiefs right now. But he played several years, won a Super Bowl with the Giants. Like, I mean, this team was like loaded and I'm practicing with them and horrible. My form is horrible. My technique is horrible. And we came after that practice and he put that on a big screen with a red laser pointer and was like, who is this? Who is this? And I didn't want to answer. He said, who is this? And I had to tell everybody it was me. They were kind of chuckling and he just ripped. He ripped it apart. And I was so like hurt by that, especially with my home environment. I knew I was going to go home. So it's like, man, I suck. But when that practice was over, before I went and got in my car, when everybody left, he said, hey, I need you. He pulled me in his office. He said, you know, why I did that. I said, no. He said, because you got more. You got potential. And I'm going to show you how to do it. He said, I don't ever want to see what we saw on that screen again. And I never want you to feel this feeling again. And he showed me how to shift my stance. He showed me he literally like for 30 minutes, one on one coached me. And I learned the valuable lesson of coaching at an early age. And I went back the next day and he re-put me on the film and he showed me dominating somebody who went to go to the NFL. <laughs> like, and I went on to win like first team, all Metro, all County, all like all of these different accolades. And I got really good, but I learned the reward. Like if you don't get offended, if you don't allow these things to make you feel like you're inadequate and you accept the teaching and you make the adjustment, I learned that lesson early. Like, Yo, you can really boss up and become what you want. So that was that was in the early years. Of course, when I was a young man, I started watching Les Brown, never knowing I get to work with him one day. That's wild. Like that. I get calls from him and he personally mentored. Trent Shelton is one of my greatest mentors. He's the person who saw me before yeah. anybody else. That's my brother, my friend. He he believed in me when nobody else did. And now a lot of people believe in me. Love it, man. You know, uh, did you play in college? <laughs> so <laughs> I was going to play in college. But when you go to college to play football, <laughs> you have to get a real physical. It's not no longer bend over and, and cough. And I learned from that accident that I survived and walked away from. I did have some structural damage in my neck. And it was like you there's a strong chance you could wind up paralyzed. You can still go. But if you hit it the wrong way, you, you're done. And, and mm -hmm. I had to make a decision as a young man to hang it up. And it broke my heart. I feel like I was losing everything my life because I loved it so much, but it also wasn't worth. Also, yeah. I feel like now, obviously God had another plan because he knew I was going to be doing what I'm doing now. I didn't know though. And I thought it was over, but yeah, I had to hang it up because of 
the injuries that I didn't even know I had because I didn't even go to the doctor. I played two years in uh, Division three, but still college. And it is a job. They do check you out deeper. <laughs> and I had a concussion my senior year in high school, lost my memory, short term memory for a week. And I remember them telling me, it's not worth it. Don't play anymore. You're not going pro. And I wasn't. I mean, I was, I'm five, six and three quarters. I relied on my intelligence to get to places faster than my speed would allow. But, but I, I remember that feeling, man. Like, this is everything to me. Don't tell me that. Like, uh-uh. And I, I, I don't know, like, if I still, I can't remember if I was a senior, if I still thought I was going to go pro or something. I don't know. We did. I, I didn't want, of course I didn't want we anybody did. Tell me, I, nobody tell me anything. Like, I, I have this thing in my head. I'm doing it. Listen, you know? man, the greatest region in Mississippi, in the state of Mississippi, I was first team all region as an offensive lineman. Now I could squat 800 pounds. I could Dang. bench press 450. Like I was ridiculous. I ran a 48 and a 40 at 300 pounds. Like Jeez. I was ridiculous, but I was 5'9. Bro, you're not going to the NFL as an yeah. offensive lineman at 5'9. Like hang yeah, it you up. Can play, you could play brain, D tackle. Whoa, 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 you could play D tackle 5'9. I did and, play and both, but he specialized because we had a big enough school. Yeah. He, yeah. he just, you know, we did one side of the ball, but I really yeah, could. Yeah. In college, they were looking at me for like a nose guard. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say because uh, my son's uh, my son's 15. He's uh, never played football before, and he played his freshman year during COVID, and they had a spring season because the fall was canceled. And then he went right into his sophomore year, um, like very short turnaround, which was pretty cool. And uh, he, like I said, I'm, I'm five, six, three quarters. A lot of people see me in person. They're like, oh, sh- I thought you were taller. <laughs> they say two things to me, Marcus. They say, I thought you were taller. And they see my wife and they're like, you're married to her? <laughs> like, like, so, and I'm like, okay, I, I'm done talking to you. But my son is big, like he's six one, two seventeen, and he's a and he's only sophomore. Oh yeah, and so I don't know where he got that from. And his legs are tree trunks, so I'm I'm looking forward to watching him play. And it's uh he loves football, so it's just a great thing. So as we wrap up here, two more questions: What are you doing right now that's lighting you up the most? That's exciting you the most? And following that, what do you have your sights on? And what's the vision for the future? Oh, that's beautiful, man. I can tie all of this up into a bow. So when I, I was working for a church, I was director of discipleship, mega church, a lot of people. But I, my heart started burning uh, and I, it felt weird, it made me feel bad. So, I mean, this is a good thing, bro. You tripping. But I had this vision of a platform that doesn't exist that I was supposed to create to go and like transform people who are far away from God. People who still need love, still need hope, still need motivation, still need inspiration, but maybe have been hurt by church, been hurt by God people and have given up. Maybe they just don't care about it. I don't care. They still need love. And I said, I had to ask the question, man, it don't matter how good we're doing this in this building. Who's going to go and get those people? And I felt an urge that like it's supposed to be you. And I had a conversation with God and said, nah, man, <laughs> nah, that ain't me. That's not my thing. But but he was like, mm, nah, it's supposed to be you. And so after a year of wrestling, I talked to my superiors. I walked away. Hey, man, from let me that stop job. you. Let me stop you for a minute. Let me stop you for a minute. With all due respect. Can you explain to the audience what you mean when God, because some people don't understand this. When we talk like this, like God you. told me this. Thank you. Can yep, you explain yep, yep. a little bit more granular detail, like what that meant to you and what, how God Absolutely. did Absolutely. So I'm glad you said that and slowed me down because I, most of the audiences, I never know where I'm speaking. So thank you for that. So I always tell people, like, if you're looking for an audible voice to talk into your ear, that's not, that is not what you're going to get. God is not talking to you audibly. So if you feel like, well, I never heard the voice of God. Something must be wrong with me. False. That's not what it is. What it is, it is an intuition and a connection to the spirit. It's a deeply, deeply convicted feeling in the pit of your core that comes out of when you're in a spiritual moment. So I was in a season of prayer and fasting. 
man, I wasn't eating. I drank water only for 21 days as I was wrestling. Yeah, it was intense. I ain't gonna lie. It was serious, but it, it, it meant that much to me. So I, I had no food, only water for 21 days as I was talking to God about like, what, what am I supposed to do? I feel like I'm supposed to do something else. And at the end of that, I had such clarity. I had such a peace and a strong conviction that my season at the church had ended and it was time for me to go and step into this mission. That's why I know it was God communicating to me because of that spiritual connection. And a, it's like a deep intuition. So thank you for that. So I came out of that season. I left and then it got hard for a while. Like I, I decided I was going to do what I'm doing, build a platform. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to become a motivational speaker. I'm going to become one of the top in the world. I don't even like speaking. I failed public speaking in college. It doesn't make sense, but it's what I know I'm supposed to do. So I'm going for it all out. I reached out to Trent Shelton. I had been supporting him for a while and we had met a couple of times. I asked him to be my coach and his assistant hit me up and was like, yo, don't get your hopes up. He's very pr- protective of it. He's like you. Like, I'm not working with everybody. They got to be serious. I protect my time and my energy and my space. And I don't want people who just want the cloud of like thinking that it'll blow them up. Like, I want somebody that's driven, that's hungry, that's willing to invest in themselves. And so she's like, don't get your hopes up, but I'll run it by him. And he said, yes. I mean, he said yes immediately. She's like, dang, he's (laughs) I'm like almost like she was surprised. He said yes. And we connected. He started showing me the blueprint. He literally told me everything to do. And I started doing the work. I did. He always I told him, I said, bro, you changed my life. He said, no, I didn't. He said, you changed your life. You did the work. All I did was showed you the way you still had to show up. And I didn't do nothing for you. He told me in the beginning, I could open a lot of doors for you, but I'm not because I robbed you of the joy of knowing you could have did it yourself. You don't need me for that. And I learned that he's like, I told you when when it started happening, people start asking me to speak all over the world. He was in the background texting like I told like you thought I was just gassing. I told you this day was coming and you just getting started. Like you about to be it. So, so that said, the thing that makes my heart sing was knowing that I wasn't crazy for leaving my full-time job, leaving my insurance, leaving my security and my stability of the church. I work for a nonprofit now, which if you guys don't know, it's very shaky because we depend on donations and we lost a lot of those during COVID. And uh, we lost a lot of donors, a lot of nonprofits closed their doors. So pay gets cut, all of these type of things. Yet I've been sustained And so all of that's been great. But bringing it full circle, the platform I thought I was supposed to build was something I thought I was supposed to build. I did not know God was going to reveal something to me on a literally a divine aligned, divinely aligned mission with another human being that I met on Clubhouse. And it's a lady, Miss Ashley Faye Brandstetter. She was out here doing her thing, building a business, serving. But she had this vision and this vision was she was doing great, beautiful family beautiful home, like money, like business booming, but this feeling in her heart of like wanting more. And everybody around her was like, what's wrong with you? You got everything. And she was like, but I feel like there's so much more in the tank. I feel like there's so much I'm leaving on the side and everybody made her feel bad for it. But she's like, but what if a generation dared to not run away from ambition, but embrace it? What if you dared to put everything you have on the table and play full out and max out how much more impact could you make? And why is that bad if your heart is seated in service and making a difference and showing other people the power of embracing their ambition and bossing up and going and transforming lives? And so when I heard that, everything about that made my heart sing. Cause I'm like, that's what I'm trying to tell people. Wake up. Life mm-hmm. is too short for you to leave something in the tank and take your dream to the grave. 
So then she was like, well, then you doing that and I'm doing this. Why don't we just do it together? And so the biggest, the heart mission right now, the thing that wakes me up every day and keeps me going is this now cold. And we didn't even know what it was at first. It was so powerful. But now we learned it is a faith based personal development mission. Like it's faith based personal development. So you got personal development and you got church. It's not church. If you come, you might hear some four letter words that make you like, whoa, hold on. It's not church. This is not church. But it's also not full personal development because we fully believe in incorporating God as an X factor and in, in the faith that comes from like taking big risk and going all in and watching him multiply when you put the gift on the table. So it's like a new thing that doesn't exist. And now it's catching eyeballs and now it's catching weight and we're building and leveraging the relationships we have and bringing in some of the best speakers in the world to build these experiences, traveling experiences. We're taking a group of people to Mexico to do a mission trip this fall. We're doing meetups in different cities. We're doing classes, master. I mean, all the things. And we just got asked to go speak internationally in Egypt. I mean, like, it's crazy right now. It's taking off. But that's where my heart is, because I listen and I think about the world and I think about. So I'm wrapping this up right here. You listening to me and C-Rock talk. You see him and this man is winning. He crushing business. He's surrounded with people like Grant Cardone. Why? Because you can see when somebody's hungry, when they're driven. And the result of them stepping into everything they have and playing full out, right? That's why people like Les Brown call me. That's why I have the connections I have. But this ain't about us. We're trying to show you legends are literally ordinary people who made extraordinary choices to go and play full out, right? That's you. And you have the same ability to do everything we've done if you're willing to take the risk, if you're willing to give everything you got to it, and if you're willing to embrace the ambition that's in your heart. Don't run away from that. If you feel like there's more, even though you are successful, then that means there's more. You ain't feeling that for no reason. Somebody's dream is dependent on you showing up fully in yours to unlock theirs. It's about you. This is a call to action for you to get up and do what you're supposed to do. So now you see, like you brought it out of me talking about this. And that's what I'm building every single day. I had three meetings today for Embrace Your Ambition already. And that's what we do. We're building, we're building courses and curriculum and connecting with speakers and building out the events and planning the international travel and the international events when COVID will let us be great. But that's what it is, man. And that's what we're doing. So you own that every day and you embrace your ambition and you show up and you play full out and you give everything you got because you can straight up. Yeah. Yeah. Let it breathe. Let it breathe, man. Ah, love that, man. Look, hey, so I want to help you guys any way I can. So I'm going to talk to you offline about an idea I have. But man, look, you, you're on the, 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 the right track. I, I just want to encourage you because I, I know enough about you. I know what you're doing. But I want to encourage you that when you get off of here, I want, I want to encourage you to say, am I playing a big enough game? Like you, you're on a big mission. Don't get me wrong. But I just want I just I think you even have even more than you're playing right now. And I, I just want to challenge you. I don't do this to everybody, but I, I just feel like that. That was on my heart. And I, I want to see where it goes, man. And you may have that thing that comes in your mind. It's like this, mother, <laughs> but that's okay. But I just want to challenge you, man. And uh, anything I could ever do to help you, all you got to do is holler for your boy, man. Man, I love that. And I love you for saying it. I appreciate that. It's very rare that we step into a space of leaders who be like, there's more. So whenever there is, we lean in because we're the more type of people. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Give us I'm some open. more. I appreciate you. <laughs> I love it, man. Well, how come my audience engage with you? Man, feel free to hit me up. You can tap in with me at M Black Speaks everywhere. I'm on Clubhouse at M Black Speaks. I'm on Instagram at M Black Speaks. Those are the best places to see me. If you want to connect with me, hit me there. I got a website, mblackspeaks.com. 
And also now embrace your ambition. So hit up EYAmbition.com and you can see everything we got going there as well. Love it. Love it. Go support Marcus Black. He is unstoppable, just like your boy Mike C-Rock is unstoppable. And just like you listening today are unstoppable, whether you know it or not. Until next time, keep being unstoppable. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What Are You Made Of? Be sure to check my website out at themikecrock.com, themikecrock with no K.com, and let us know how we can help you or your business reach its full potential. Feel free to leave a review or follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Mike C. Rock Scirocco. Again, thank you for joining me and see you guys on the next episode. I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at my website, MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. Thank you so much for your support and your listenership. It means the world to me.